can do to bring you what God's presence will give you and bring you. It just doesn't exist. There's, there's no way outside of, uh, of heaven that you could ever experience what God's presence will help you experience. It's, uh, it's amazing to me that a God as holy and just as He is that loves a people that's as unholy and unjust as we are, but He sure does. I'm going to preach to you this evening from a scripture that I may have preached from more than almost any other one. Uh, me personally in the Bible, but it's John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 30. Just one verse. John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 30. I'll give everybody just a minute to find it. St. John, Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 19. 1 John has five chapters that gives you the indication right there which one I'm in. Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. A very familiar phrase, if you will. When you get there, we'll look at it. I've said this before, I'll say it again real quick while most people have probably found it, but I'll let it, the ones that still look and I still hear a few pages turning. I've been to a lot of places, seen a lot of things. I think one of the most amazing sights I've seen is the ocean. It, it just still blows my mind. You look out at the ocean as far as you can see, it's like it just meets the sky somewhere far out. And I've seen the waves roll in, it's amazing, but after a few times, it's like, yeah, I've seen it. But I'm pretty certain when we see Jesus, I'll never get tired of seeing him for eternity. And it's going to be more than just a few times, just a few days. John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 30. The Bible says, When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us. And God, I thank you for this service that we've got to experience, Lord, that we have felt your presence in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I know you're always there. I know you never leave me. You never forsake me. Sometimes it's awful good to feel you when you just seem like you just surround us with your presence and your love. And God, if there's anyone here this evening, Lord, that doesn't know you or maybe there's something between you and them, God, maybe there's somebody that we know very well and, and you'd never guess, but God, we don't know what's in the hearts of each one that are here. Only you do. And God, if there's anyone here tonight that needs something from you, God, I pray that you show them that and you give them the courage, God, to come to you. Lord, there's no shame in coming to you. God, it doesn't matter what we've done or what we may not have done or what we should have done or could have done, but God, the main thing is we just come to you, God, when you ask us and we bow before you. God, I thank you that you don't judge us the way we do each other sometimes. I thank you that you don't hold things against us the way people do. But God, we can get our hearts right with you, God, and I know that everything else will fall into place if we'll just do that. This evening, Lord, just for a few minutes, I pray that you anoint me the way I'm needed, the way you need me to be, God. I need your unction, Holy Spirit, I need your words and your wisdom and your help. In Jesus, your name we pray, amen. Uh, as most of you probably know, uh, we have what's called the seven sayings of Christ but on the cross. We know this is his last, the last thing he did on earth, the last act he did. And I've preached this many times about are you sure about the decisions you're making? 
because when Jesus said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, there's no return from that. You can't redo that. You can't redo yesterday. You can't redo today. It's finished. And when you and I do something, when we make a decision, it's final. If you go through with that decision, it's one thing to say, I'm going to do this and not do it. It's another thing to do it and, and then go through with it. It is finished. I have heard this. I can't guarantee it. Uh, a few people that has attempted suicide and they live, they said the very second that they went through with it, they regretted it. The only difference is few managed to live about it and tell about that. But Jesus here, when he said it is finished, he wasn't just speaking of his time on the cross or his life here. He was saying everything he had set out to do was finished. Everything he set out to do for God, everything he set out to accomplish for, for God, for his will, and for you and I was finished. There was nothing left to do. Could you imagine in 33 and a half years you accomplished everything there was to accomplish in life? Most of us can spend our life and not come close to accomplish a fraction of what we set out to do and what we want to do. But here he said it is finished. And when he did this, there's some things he did for you and I that I want to share with you this evening. And God showed me this in about three different ways I can preach it. And I'm still deciding which one it is. So we may get all three. But in his finished work on Calvary, number one, he finished his work in creation. When creation was made, everything he needed to finish and accomplish was accomplished in seven days. When he finished his work for God, in that the Bible says we know that God created all things for him and by him. So we know that Jesus had his hand in everything that was made in creation. He was there. He finished it. He finished his work in God on the cross. And everything that Jesus ever set out to do, the will of God, he finished it. So number one, he finished his work in creation. He finished his work in God. Do you understand? He is the only person that's ever lived that did the perfect will of God every single time. He did exactly what God asked him to do what God told him to do. He accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish, everything that he needed. He did it. Thank God for what he did for you and I. Thank God that he followed the will of God. Do you realize if one thing in his life, if he would have done the opposite of what God had him to do, his work on Calvary would have been for nothing. It's amazing to me that he finished the work of God the way he did that he accomplished all that he did for you and I, that he left nothing undone, if you will, no stone unturned, that he finished the work that God set out to do for him, that he did that for you and I, and everything you need from God, because of Jesus, we can receive it from God, so you and I need to do the work for God that he has set out for us to do. Thank God he finished the work that you and I can continue on, that he gave us to do in God, and one day we can sit down and heaven and say I finished my work that God has given me to do only because of Jesus <laughs> number three we're moving fast ain't we man y'all getting excited you think we might get out here here in a little bit after all anyway I ain't done yet he finished the will of God in me let me take just a minute longer here on this one <laughs> We're going to kind of blend these together just a little bit. Because he finished 
the work of God that God gave him to do. He finished the will of God in my life and in your life if you are born again. If you're saved, if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you have been anointed by Holy Spirit, quickened and made alive and, 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 and give life by him and only by him, then he has finished the work in you and has continued that work every day. Only because Jesus finished this work on the cross of Calvary is that work able to take place inside of you and I. But because he finished the will of God, the will of God continues on every day in someone's life around this world the gospel was given and it is taught to men, women, boys and girls and presented to people all the time. That work continues on. But Jesus finished it so you and I can continue it. Do you understand if he would not have finished that work, if he would not have died on the cross, then it would not have been done. It took his death for that work to be finished. But it wasn't finished there. Three days later, he rose again on the third day and that is when God said, now it is finished. He went to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you and I. Let me go and bust one of your Easter bubbles now. Good Friday is a Catholic holiday. Do you all know that? Yes, amen, little man. He did not die on Friday. I don't celebrate Good Friday. It's a Good Friday at the wedding. More than likely, he died on a Wednesday. Look at your calendar what day Passover's on. Guess what day Passover is this year? Good guess. Wednesday. He finished a work that was started some hundreds of years ago in Egypt when God told him to kill the lamb and have that lamb for supper and put his blood over the doorpost. It's right at the top and at the sides. He said, the death angel shall pass over you. He finished a work that God had started thousands of years before. And thank God he's finishing yet today in your heart and my heart if you're born again. Once you are saved, he comes to move inside of you. And the work that was started when Jesus with God created this world and his flesh, he did the will of God and finished the work of God so he could do the work in you and I. And one day that work will be finished when we get to, get to heaven. But yet for salvation, if you're saved, the work is finished. But the work we do for him continues on. I hope I'm not confusing. Okay. He finished the will of God in me. Number four. <laughs> the wonders in the future, he finished. He's finished the wonders in future. Let me explain to you what I mean. God has a will for you and I to do. He has something in your life to do. In his mind, it's finished. But the difference is, just as Jesus had to walk through the, the, the dundrums of this life, 
He had to suffer like no man has ever suffered. He experienced heartbreak like I don't believe any man or woman has ever experienced. He went through things that you and I will never know how bad an agony really is. Yes, our hearts break here. Yes, we get down and, and troubled. Yes, we get disappointed and discouraged. Yes, all these things that I can keep going, but nothing has ever broken someone's heart like sin did for Jesus when he died for you and I and finished that work. But thank God he has a home for you and I. He has a place set aside in heaven for you. And do you know when you read that in John's Gospel, chapter 14, about he said, I go to prepare a place for you. If you look up the word place, it means it's incomplete until it's occupied. Heaven is not complete until it's occupied by his children. But there's a finished work that he did on Calvary that made it possible for you and I to go to heaven one day and finish the work that he set out to do in our lives. I hope I'm making sense. hope I'm not getting too wordy here. You know, the thing that made it sure is what he was sure of. You see, you and I will make a lot of decisions in life. And sometimes I'm not real sure it's the right one. I've done a lot of things and I'm not sure if I've done the right thing or not. I stress, I worry, I fret sometimes. But when Jesus created this world, him and the Father and the Holy Ghost and the Son created this world, you know that they were sure of what they were doing. When he was walking on this earth, going around healing people, raising people from the dead and doing millions of other things that we'll never know about, on this side of eternity, he was sure of everything he did. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He was sure it was the right thing that he was doing. When he saved you and I, he was sure it was the right thing he was doing. And one day when we go home to be with him, it will be sure of him that it's the right thing. But you and I, a lot of times, can do things. Sometimes we're not real sure. You know what? There have been times I've found I was correct. It wasn't the right thing. Sometimes I made the wrong decision. And I look back and think, why did I do that? But thank God Jesus every one time had to look back. Not once as he turned around and said, I messed up right there. Thank God he's ever looked at someone and said, I wish I'd have never saved them. He's never looked at me and said, I regret saving you. Thank God for what he's done for me, for saving me. And my salvation's complete. It's a finished work because of him. Thank God I've got that. Do you know that all the wonders that he did while here on earth, he was sure of every one of them that he did. And the greatest wonder he's ever done, the greatest miracle that you'll ever experience is seeing someone come to an altar, an old-fashioned altar, and believing on Jesus Christ and becoming a born-again uh, uh, creature, a new new creature in Christ. That is the greatest miracle you'll ever experience is seeing someone come to the knowledge saving of Jesus who turns around when they get up, they are a complete new creature. If they were sincere in believing in him, they are totally different and changed or made alive for the first time. That's a miracle. The night I got saved, my value system changed. My thoughts changed. My wants changed. My wills changed. They become in line with God. They become more what God wanted. And as I continue on this life, I realized how important it is to trust in him more and more and more and more every day of my life. 
Thank God his work was finished in creation, in God, in me, and in my future. You say, we're not there yet. No, but in God's mind, I am. He finished the work that God set out for him to do. He finished the will of God that God set out for him to do. He finished all the wonders that God had set out for him to do. And lastly, and I'm done. He finished conquering the world that God set out for him to do. Let me pause here just for a minute. We read in the Bible, we know who the God of this world is. It's Satan. And I've said this before, do you understand that Jesus is the only God that's ever claimed to defeat Satan, death, hell, and sin? No other God has ever claimed that. Buddha can't claim that. Muhammad does not and cannot claim that. The Pope can't claim that. Sometimes I don't want to make anybody mad or offend nobody, but I'm here to tell you we leave the Catholic Church alone and don't preach against it, but I'm telling you right now because of the Catholic Church, there have been more blood shed throughout the centuries than anyone else. The Pope is lost. <laughs> no other God can claim to accomplish what Jesus accomplished. In three words when he said, it is finished. He finished everything God had sent him to do. And because of that, you and I can have hope and victory in him. If you're here this evening and there are struggles in your life, there's problems in your world, and you're in a situation, you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through that. He finished the work on Calvary so you could bring that to him and say, God, I'm laying at, this, at your feet because I don't know what to do. And let me assure you, you can be sure in bringing it to him. You know, Satan is really good at telling us that God's mad at you, you've sinned, you've done this act one too many times. You've committed this sin over and over and over. God's tired of you. He's grown weary of you. He's mad at you. He's upset at you. But rest assured, you can tell him that he's a liar and a father of lies. I've never read in the Bible, no, where God's told someone not to come to him. Former pastor I had, I heard him say it so many times. He said over 2,200 times in the Bible, the word come appears. God is calling to you. He's calling to me always calling to us to come to him. Now, if there's something unsure in your life, especially your eternal life, you need to make it sure. The greatest assurance I've got is my salvation. There's nothing any better than that. If you're sitting here this evening and maybe you're in a bad place, maybe you didn't feel what everyone else felt. Maybe you didn't experience what everyone else experienced. Maybe you didn't get that charge from Holy Spirit the way a lot of us got. That how about you come to this altar and say, God, I don't know what's wrong. Maybe I'm in a bad way if I've sinned or if I've done this. Maybe you haven't sinned in your mind, but there's something there between you and God. How about you come to this altar this evening and say, I just need to come and pray. I need to get it settled. You say, well, preacher, I probably can't get it settled in that little bit. You might, but I can tell you this. I'd rather fail trying than not try at all. Now I'm going to go back to the way I originally preached this. Are you sure that the decisions you're making are going to bring the results they want? 
Jesus was sure. He was sure of everything he done in life. Thank God he was sure when he bowed his head and gave up the ghost that that was the will of God. Are you sure you're where God wants you? The decisions you're making are going to bring the results that you want. Thank God he was sure that the decision he made the day he died on this cross, he knew he was going to raise from the dead three days later. And you know what's even more amazing to me? He was sure when he saved me and saved you and you and everyone in here, that's exactly what he wanted to do. He's never had to turn around and apologize to somebody for saving him. Say, I wish I'd have never saved you. He's never told a first person that. But I've heard countless say, I wished I would have got saved sooner. Sooner. Let me tell you teenagers something real quick and I'm done. This shortest message I've preached here in a while, ain't it? The decisions you're making right now, whether you realize this or not, is affecting you for the rest of your life. You are right now setting the stage and the standard for what your life is going to be like. When I was in the seventh grade, I was making decisions that were very poor, very bad, and they affect me to this day. Every day of my life, I pay for the sins that I committed starting in the sixth and seventh grade. I pay for them every day. And the things you're doing right now that you're, you might be sure, and I may, maybe I'm not preaching, maybe I'm preaching to the choir, I don't know. Maybe none of you are doing, playing with this world. I hope you're not. But your friends that are, whether they realize it or not, they're going to pay for what they're doing every single day of their life. And if you'll find you stay true to him, I promise you, in the end, both of you will look back and they're going to wish they were you. And you're going to be glad you weren't them. You know what you miss out on? You miss out on heartache, pain, disappointment, suffering, a life in shambles, regret, hurt, torturous regrets every day of your life that won't go away. That's what you're missing out on. I don't know why that was in there. I didn't plan on it. I hope it's made sense to people. I don't know. I feel like I was too wordy with it there in the beginning. But I'm thankful for what he did in life he was sure of and I could be sure in him. I'm not sure of me, but I'm sure of him. Maybe this evening you just need to come and talk to him. I know some's already come to the altar. Maybe you just want to come and thank him. You say, preacher, I'm just not an altar person. That's fine. A lot of things I don't like to do, but I do them. Maybe you just want to come and talk to him. But most of all, if you need him for anything this evening, be sure he wants you to come to him. He wants you there. As John comes to the piano, we get a song. I guess Earl's got one picked out.